everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Attendance Bias. This week's episode is not like our usual episodes. Today is a recap of Fish's Atlantic City 2022 weekend run with the fellas from Stub Me Down, JW and Skinny. If you're unaware of Stub Me Down, it is a wonderful fish podcast that is similar to the premise of Attendance Bias, but with completely different voices and a completely different lens. So if you like what I do, you'll probably like what Skinny and JW do on Stub Me Down. Now, this recap may be a little bit late, but we all needed our time to get our thoughts together and for our schedules to work out. All of us were at the Atlantic City run, and we loved it so much We just thought we had to share all of our thoughts on it. Now, this is a little bit different than a usual attendance bias episode. I put basically no editing into this, warts and all. The only part that you'll recognize from me, aside from my voice, is the audio clips and the sound effects. Other than that, we just pressed record and went straight to it. So enjoy this Atlantic City 2022 recap with myself and JW and Skinny from Stub Me Down. Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, hey, Brian. What's going on, man? Good to see you, buddy. Hey, Skinny. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's good to see you guys. Brian's good to see you. It hasn't been that long, actually. So yeah, uh, here we go again, as they say in Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) I think the actual phrase in Star Wars is... I've got a bad feeling about this. <laughs> no, they say here we go again too, man. All right, the the dark and the light. Apparently, well, it's good to see you either way. Yeah, it's good to see you too. Uh, also, so as my friend Greg says, he says if you want to make something a tradition, you do it twice. <laughs> so I'm excited to be here with you guys because we're doing the same thing we did at about the same point last year when we had an unorthodox episode of each of our podcasts where we just recap the Atlantic City weekend. This year was August 5th, 6th, and 7th, 2022 on the beach in AC. Yeah, and I have to say, sorry, Josh, like I already saw Josh move towards his (laughs) microphone, so I got to get in here. Uh, I just want to say, first of all, I'm so happy to do this collaboration again, and I think What's interesting is over the course of not even just this year, but since we started doing this, it's um, so many people in this arena are, you know, coming at each other and with all goodwill and good faith just to talk about something that we love. So it's brilliant whether or not anybody else thinks it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant. So fuck you guys. But I think it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. This is going to be a wild one. This is going to uh, be fun. <laughs> but yeah, man, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, we're, we're always happy to do this, man. I can't wait. And it is now it's a tradition. Yeah. I mean, we did Madison square garden, the new year's run from back in April. We did a, a throwdown on that. Um, we've, you've come on our show. We've been on yours. I mean, that's what we want to do, man. Make some friends, talk about music and, um, you know, we've had the opportunity. I know you were on HF Pod, and um, we were on the pre-show, the lot by Wook Plus, and I did an after-show spot um, after the last night at Alpine. So it's just fun to be out there, get to learn who some of the other people are, and you know, we're all grinding, just trying to have some fun and have some interesting conversations and tell great stories. So being able to do that 
with you is always awesome. So whether it's dummy down, whether it's attendance bias, who gives a shit? Yeah. Well, the feel, yeah, the feeling <laughs> is mutual and it's never been a better time to be a fish nerd because there's always conversation, nerdy conversation, fun conversation, stupid conversation, whatever it is going on somewhere and accessible to everybody for, for free. And all you pay with is your time, right. which is valuable in itself as a listener. But I agree. It's a good time to be a fan. I've had so much fun with those guys and girls on the Helping Friendly Pod with you guys and wherever else is uh, is willing to have me. So looking forward to it. I wanted to ask you guys to start off, though, for this run of shows. What was your summer like leading up to it? Did you see any shows before then? What were your expectations? Were you on vacation for weeks like what Josh what was your summer like before AC so we did Philly and Merriweather before Atlantic City so we had four shows under our belt coming in loved both nights of the man loved absolutely loved both nights of Merriweather the first night especially was a little bit of a reunion for us we all hadn't been together on the lawn at Merriweather hometown show since what i guess 2019 was the last time Fish yeah there 2019 and, and um so it was great to just be in the environment with like our complete crew right so pretty much everybody was with us and the music i think that they are or were excuse me for this tour doing some different things that created a lot of discussion right so whether it was a, a song placement songs they're taking out um that were traditional you know five six minute tunes that are now 20 minute bangers um set list construction i think there's also we'll talk about it a little bit as we get into to these three shows but i think there was also the band was I don't want to say defiant, but maybe trolling the fans a little bit with song selection, what they were taking out, um, some teases that they worked in over the course of really the whole tour. But the shows that I saw were great. So when we got to Atlantic City, I mean, I we talked about this last time. Atlantic City is a great place to see them because you, you know you get there for me, you park the car, and then you're on your feet the whole time, um, and it's it's easy to get around, easy to get to. So there is that festival feel to this weekend, especially if they you know they keep doing it, and the music I think kind of also feels a little festivalish in addition to a giant concert park and you know tens of thousands of us walking around so um yeah i mean absolutely stoked to to come into this um and we had a lot of uh friends that were going to be up here too so skinny what were your thoughts on the summer before ac uh well you know i didn't really think about much of anything even when they had the early summer tour with dicks and orange beach and and charleston obviously i was listening to that and even in the beginning of the summer tour we're just so busy around the house which i'm sure a lot of people that listen to your show and our show realize like i don't have time for fish all the time and it's like it's not in my consciousness all the time but 
as it got closer, Merriweather, like Josh said, was a really important show for us because we were all together. Although night two was probably the worst show ever for me. I lost my wallet before the show. Everything wound up being okay. You know, it's kind of easy, interestingly enough, in this day and age to cancel everything. The problem was is that a friend of mine thought he had seen the wallet. Somebody was like, hey, is this your wallet? And he didn't even check to see whose idea it was. But as I'm calling, the girl's like, no, we don't see a wallet here. So I'm at the <laughs> show. Like, you know, if I if they said, like, we have your wallet, I would have been fine. But it wound up being a pretty poor show for me, only because it was a personal interaction with the entire evening that just sucked. But that being said, I never have any more expectations. I think maybe it's the podcast or talking about live music so much that I've really set expectations aside for every show because it makes me feel like, okay, I can go into every show with just this new approach. Same thing with taking my phone out of my pocket. Like I just don't do it often, especially when I'm at the show because I want to feel and see and experience everything as it is. And then hopefully reconnect back to that memory and not through technology. So we were really excited for AC, especially coming off of Merriweather, where that second night sucked. So um, where it didn't suck musically, <laughs> you know, listening back to the show, it's really good. But for me, it just sucked personally. That's that experience factor that we all uh, come in contact with every time we go see live music. So I was really stoked for it. I just was hoping that it wasn't going to be like an oven like last year. And it wasn't actually the weather was perfect we always talk about the weather on our show so i would be remiss mention it. not to talk about the grand weather that we had uh, it's at, such at an Atlantic important City. part though for especially in the summer in the northeast there right. was a run i think it was like 2012 to 2015 where it rained every time fish came to new york or new jersey it felt like i don't know if it's true but that's my memory of it and right. or it was grossly humid and it's just like june and august in the Northeast is it, the odds are that it's going to be uncomfortable. But like your point is during the day, it was very hot in Atlantic city the, that weekend, very hot during the day. But once the sun started to go down and it almost goes down sooner because it dips behind the hotels, the buildings, yeah. you felt <laughs> yeah, that yeah. it gets darker by at least a half hour compared to the, re if you were oh, in you know, like a summer, easily, yeah. uh, it, the weather was just beautiful and perfect the whole time. Yeah, it was. And and we had a marvelous time and we had the same spot every night. You know, um, I, I know we saw you pre-show Saturday and then I hung out with you Sunday, which we can talk about. But like, you know, I just it it's a perfect week kind of experience. I mean, you know, it's it's a whole weekend, but it, it almost feels like a week. And then sometimes it goes too fast and too slow. But, you know, the shows were great, too. Here's I mean, a great here's a really crazy, good. Here's a crazy stat from our three days in Atlantic City. My wife and I walked a total of 36 miles. Wow. In three <laughs> Get days. yourself a new map. <laughs> I mean, I think Saturday, Saturday was our top day and it was like 16 miles from our hotel to showboat all the way down to when we met Christian and his wife, Amy, and then back down and then back to the concert park and then through the hotels. And I mean, you definitely get 
<laughs> definitely get a lot of walking in. Um, if you're, you know, if you're out and about and doing shit, you know. Yeah. Thank God we stayed at the Tropicana. It's not that far. <laughs> I stayed at the Tropicana too. I was really excited because I stayed at the Tropicana both in 2010 and 2013 for Halloween. And I had great experiences there. This year, they put me in the tower that time forgot. It was <laughs> it was called the Chelsea Tower, and it was not directly connected to the other, like I guess, two or three towers they have because the Tropicana is enormous. Yeah, it's huge. Huge. It, it is unbelievable. And my room looked like it came out of the set design from Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas <laughs> when Hunter S. Thompson's feet start melting into the carpet and there's giant <laughs> lizards everywhere. And it looks like it's from 1971. That's what my room looked like. Mm. <laughs> I was not thrilled with the Tropicana. I have to say, even though in my head, I'm like, I was thrilled that I got a room there back in February or whatever it was when they announced the tour. Sure. Yeah. If I could go back in time, I probably would have booked Bowie's instead and probably ended up paying the same amount. Uh, I mean, I didn't. I've never stayed at Bally's. I mean, I've stayed at Showboat in Hard Rock, Caesars, Tropicana a couple times. We've stayed there before, but usually Trop is okay. I mean, our room was all right. I'm sorry that you got like Archie Bunkers. Yeah, I got the pain on my list. <laughs> we stayed at the Showboat, and our room was not that great. I mean, the, to the toilet paper dispenser was like very carefully set in there so like as soon as you like pulled one sheet <laughs> off the thing like fell to the floor the little knob in the shower and the drink you know in the faucet that you pull up for the shower like wouldn't stay down so you're like washing your hair and all of a sudden the water goes back to like the tub faucet and uh and then they dinged me 25 fucking dollars a day to park my car so 25 dollars a day oh uh, it was brutal we only paid 25 dollars to get out of there at the yeah, trap right and you yeah. got screwed yeah totally well again here we go again here we go again <laughs> next summer we'll get it right we'll all uh, be able to get our toilet paper right. we'll be able to park well we'll get nice uh, modern updated rooms hold on though brian before we before we jump into the music i have to ask you i've been dying to ask you this since last year you went to white house subs can I please get, can we please get a take on your sub experience? I love fish. I love my friends. That might've been the highlight of the whole weekend. <laughs> I actually got two, <laughs> one for the moment that I was eating it and they're enormous subs. Yes. They're yes. enormous. I didn't realize that. So I had one for the moment I was eating it. And then half for post show, and then the other half of that one for breakfast the next morning. Nice. Yes. <laughs> That's the uh, way it's supposed yeah. to be done. For That's a college my experience, kind of setup. yeah, my standard for subs is Wegmans. Mm. I think they have the best subs, and it's they're, a, they're not bad. Yeah, it's a treat around here in New York City. There's one Wegmans. It's not easy to get to, and they don't have an operating sub shop. So when I get the opportunity, I really take advantage of it. So when I went to White House subs, I tried to go into it with that mentality, stock up while you're here. And I was informed by someone who has a family vacation house, not on it, not in Atlantic City, but on the island. I forget the name of the town, but that White House subs is best known for their cold subs, like their Italian subs, not like a cheesesteak, for example, or right. a steak or a steak sandwich. So that's what I got. I got a turkey 
with cheese, like a very low risk, low stakes sub Safe. just for, you know, I wanted to see what they could do uh, just for the beginning. And then for the late night and early morning, I got an Italian sub and I was very impressed. Enjoy how special uh, yeah. the Italian is the, <laughs> right. The house special. Yeah. yeah. You want to end the podcast now? <laughs> I mean, yeah, Italian. we can start a new one. Call the tell you what, <laughs> sandwiches. The Italian. Maybe we sub. can have Paige come on. <laughs> oh, hey, that's an idea. There you go. All Nobody right. steal so, our sandwich podcast idea. So my my summer, I was for maybe the first time in my life since the summer of 1996, I was completely detached from fish almost entirely because I got married in the middle of July and then from the wedding went straight to the honeymoon from Oregon to Alaska. And in Alaska, unless you're in a major city and there's only like one or two, unless you're in a major city, you do not have reliable cell service. So aside from the short hours I was in Anchorage, I was not able to kind of keep up with set lists. I was not able to keep up with people I follow on social media and their opinions and their experiences. And I certainly was not able to keep up with Relisten or uh, Fish.in or uh, the Helping Friendly pod, which usually does me very well in keeping up with the general vibe. The, the only thing that I was able to really understand is this tour. They were playing Sigma Oasis a lot. <laughs> yes. They had not introduced any new music and that outstanding jams were coming from places where people did not expect. Those yeah. were the only three generalizations that I knew going into Atlantic City. And I hadn't heard, I don't think, except for the Jones Beach leaves, I hadn't heard any music going into AC. Wow. I mean, that's like the, I don't know, like, I mean, when you're in Juno, they don't have like an internet cafe. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Well, Juno but I like did. on the AOL dial up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Internet. Yeah, I like the Internet Cafe. <laughs> but, but the but. thing is, yeah, I mean, yes, obviously places like Juno and Anchorage do. But when you're there, especially on your honeymoon, and my wife is a big fish fan, it wasn't like she was like, you know, shaking her finger at me saying, you better right. not be attached to fish. It wasn't right. anything like that. But the scenery in alaska as we go from being a sandwich podcast to a travel podcast the scenery, <laughs> like you don't want to look at your phone skinny like you were saying during a fish show you're not attached to it it could be a million miles away you don't care that's right. kind of how i felt and i never feel that way about fish but it's like fish can be doing whatever they want i'm in this amazing place that feels like a foreign nation that takes american currency it's, yeah it's yeah. it was weird and it was great the only thing that I was very grateful for is that I wasn't able to see anything from Jones Beach because that's one of my hometown venues. And if I saw anyone posting pictures from there or greetings from Jones Beach or messages about the cops busting people, I would have lost my shit because I would have felt really like I was missing out. I did not feel that way for a second. And I was thrilled to have ignorance as bliss as my modus operandi during that's that trip. Yeah, Shakespeare works for a lot of that stuff, which is interesting because like, you know, I I started doing that not too long ago. And actually at one point too, I would get annoyed when other people do it. I'm like, I can't control the universe. You know what I mean? And I think that's a good way to look at it. When you're having these other experiences, like we all had this summer, like I went to Disney World. I wasn't thinking about, oh my God, what's gonna happen next on tour? Like, no, I don't 
I don't look at it that way. I know you guys don't look at it that way. We have, you know, lives that are, are condensed into a bunch of different areas, but like that small part of the pie um, is really important. But it, now I'm just looking at it only when that part of the pie happens. You know I mean, does that make sense? So I understand exactly what you're saying. And I think it's amazing to be able to like disconnect and, you know, it's going to happen whether you're paying attention or not. Right. And it's important to, especially on, you know, your honeymoon. Right. <laughs> and the wedding too. The wedding also right. took up a decent amount of attention, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you know, you're in this, you know, potentially like once in a lifetime trip destination, you know, all of that stuff. Like it's great to be able to set that, set this, you know, infatuation aside for a little bit. I will also counter with this. I listened to every single show. <laughs> I listened to probably all, but maybe three of them while they were happening, either via a stream or a friend of mine that was um, kicking me. His, he had purchased a bunch of the um streams through live fish and so he would say hey you want to watch the show and whenever we were around sitting around we throw it on the tv or just have it on so i listened to almost every note they played this summer and as as you know skinny's talking about like you know he does have all of these other things he's got two small children and and stuff like that and i'm like Man, what the fuck is wrong with me? <laughs> you're okay. You're just, uh, yeah, you're just mental. I mean, I'm a little. <laughs> part of it is, I've always had this, like, you know, I want to, I want to know a lot. I want to learn more. Like, I want to be able to talk about something, and not to mention, like, I really thought that this was a very strong tour overall, and there were some moments from each show that i thought were were great fish moments now that doesn't mean that every show was a banger and i think one of the things that separates this tour maybe from some other tours is the top to bottom nature of the sets um there's probably you can go through most of the shows and i think I won't say most people, but I think a lot of people would find a song here or a song there that like, ah, eh. you know, like you, you referenced before. I mean, let's just get into it. Like this, the first set of Atlantic city on August 5th, you know, they play a Sigma Oasis there. And Wait, we're starting to talk about the shows now. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm just saying like, I just, it, I, well, one of the commentary, give me was, like a, like a hands up or something. Yeah. One of the, I'm just, I'm trying to tie it in. One of the commentaries was that we don't have to like get into it uh, uh, right this second, but one of the commentaries was the number of repeats and, and like, fine. Yeah, they did. They played Sigma Oasis. What? Five times in those whatever it was 22 shows 26 shows not if you get 20 or, or six times if you count the you know the mini tour that they did at the end of may into june right so is five or six versions of that too many people were complaining about hearing sigma oasis too many times but the versions of sigma oasis that they played i think all of them were fucking ridiculous like monsters People who and, are complaining about repeats on a what twenty show tour need to grow up. I'm sorry to say it, but it's true. 
Anyone I mean, they played who, sand nine times. They like, play sand a thousand times a year. Yeah. And like, good. <laughs> yeah, it's good every time. And and the reason that this drives me nuts, I, I rarely get riled up about stuff like this. But the reason that this complaint drives me crazy is when you listen to older fish in 1994, check out how many times they played sample in a jar. How many times did they play Julius? How many times did they play simple? Chalk dust, drive I'm sure got played a ton, right? A thousand in 90, times, right, probably yeah. in 1992 alone. Like they always have repeated songs. They just play fewer shows. So it seems more condensed sure. and they don't owe anything to the fans to play the most amount of songs ever in a year or in a given tour when they're very intent, I, I think, on focusing on making the best out of the songs that they enjoy playing. Well, and you point, made that point when we talked about Madison Square Garden. That was a point that you made is that they play the songs they want to play the best. So Always. if it's Sigma, if it's, you know, a Ruby Waves on any given night or 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 a wave of hope or wave light of hope into, or whatever. Right. 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 So when if that's the vehicle that they feel the most comfortable in or are enjoying the most, then more power to them that I think that only benefits us. Yeah. Well, you know what? I'll say this before we start diving into specifics a little bit is this. And and we've talked a little bit about about this and tried to broach the subject against not really calling out people that are complaining or gatekeeping. But I think really people have a hard time with transitions and also letting go. So when a band or your parent or your child or your job or your life transitions, it's difficult, right? There's like these journeys that occur that aren't always easy. And so what happens when those journeys occur? You just get, you know, kind of simple minded and you complain about it. And this is bullshit. I can't believe this is happening to me. Selfish, selfish, selfish. Same thing with letting go. It's like, you know, what happened in 2003? We just talked about a show from there doesn't necessarily translate to what's happening in 2022. Like I don't wear the same clothes I wore in 2001 that I wear now. You know what I mean? It, it's not like I have and, a couple of t-shirts. Man, terrible analogy. But what I'm trying to say, I guess, is that like you got to let go of like they're not doing this. So I don't like that. Like, I feel like that is a very trite like you're like a troglodyte like you don't understand like how things move and how time is of the essence and how things transition you're you don't get that long shot of it you only see five yards in front of you it's like you're a fullback you know and your head's all fucked up because you get hit all the time i just feel like people are in that spot right now i don't know if it's like twitter or social media that does that to them but like I think it has a big part. It is. Part. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. I, and I know it is, but it's because I see the comments all the time. I'm like, dude, all right. Like, how how are we going to get into this? Like, 92 is not as good as 2022. Who gives a shit? It's just fucking different. It, that's all. I mean, you know what I mean? It's different. It's the same band. They're doing different things. Well, they're and, also and, and in 1992 when they were like what are they right? They were like 27. I was like 22. So now in 2022 they're like 57. You know, 58, and I'm 52. So things have a way of progressing. 
So I'm going to step off my soapbox to all you <laughs> fucking complainers right now. <laughs> Sorry. I just wanted to point that out to you. You guys got to and ladies like chill out. It's just, you know, it's just a rock concert, man. You know, I mean, even though we break it down all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so let's sorry. break down the set then. Yeah, night fun. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Well, let's go around. Let's each give our favorite parts of each show. Let's, can we start there? Yeah, yeah we yeah. can start there. Go Am ahead. I going first or you, you want to go first, Brian? I, I'm, I'm ready to like, uh, I don't, I don't want to complain anymore. <laughs> All right. My favorite part of night one was ghosts. And I love this ghost so much. I've re-listened to it so many times since. And I tried while re-listening to pin down other than it's good music. But what about it touches me that it's the maybe my favorite part of a whole weekend, maybe so far a whole year to date, at least, of, of Fish music. And I think what it is, is they're not afraid to get weird they're still not afraid to get weird. It proved that they can really take probably one of the most familiar songs and one of their definitely most jam friendly songs and do something completely different with it that yet again, they haven't ever tried before today. I was listening to it. And when they get to the part where they repeat the chorus over and over again, the, uh, I feel like, yeah. uh, And they just do it over and over again. They all just pull back. And it seems like they're like tag teaming each other in an improvisational exercise where it's, I'm going to play one note, Trey says, and then Paige will say, all right, I'm going to respond with one piano chord. And Mike says, I'm going to play a really high pitched bass note. And Fish is saying, I'm almost not going to do anything at all except tap the cymbal. And they're just kind of touching each other in that way until two people link up. And then when those two people link up, after that, the other two people link up. unlike i don't know they're they're hay exercises from yeah right right 90s. and before you know it they've kind of had this democratic jamming style where no one really takes the lead mike is close but no one really does 
until they're playing this kind of metal, like proto metal jam that brought me back to August 4th, 2015 for a show that I was present at Nashville during week of Pog group. They played this amazing jam that was almost like black Sabbath or early Judas priests that it's like, Hmm. this doesn't sound like fish at all. And yet it sounds just like fish. Maybe you said earlier, Skinny, about going in without expectations. Maybe my expectations were just like, they're going to play a bunch of fun jams and that's it, that they really surprised me and with this ghost. And, and I, man, to your point, I thought that ghost was wild, too, for night one, among other things. We're just, I'm not going to talk about them, but I felt the beginning of that ghost was really, really stripped down. And it was mm-hmm. like something I had never heard before. So on re-listen, when you listen to that, I'm like, man, that's a really strange way they went into that ghost. It was almost like, I don't know if it's like upside down is the way to put it, but that doesn't really translate in my mind what translates to everybody else, what they hear. It's but free like, floating. The yeah, yeah. It's free floating. Yeah. It's not like a traditional, like, you know, they just, bah, da, 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 and they jump into it. You're like, oh, ghost. It was really like uh, a fishman offbeat and then something else was happening. And I was like, oh, that it? Oh, is that, you know, it was really cool. So I agree. It came out of the the second portion of that down with disease. Right, right. Did the disease into the ruby waves and then back into disease and then into the ghost. But I mean, look at the end of that. Look at the end of that set, ghost hood. I mean, come on, that was almost, you know, 30 something minutes of music. Those two tunes, the hood was soaring. I mean, hearing the hood echo off of the hotels. I mean, that was cool. Uh, I was deliberating between this hood and ghost of what I wanted to bring up to talk about today. I said this on a different podcast, but the thing I wanted to say about hood and then I'm out and skinny, you're I want to hear about your highlighting is that. Hood has not done it for me so much in 3.0 in the whole era so far. I love it, but I love it because of what I know it's done 
as opposed to what it's doing now. Uh, not there's not been a lot of, in my opinion, hoods that I've been present for that have made me stop and go, "Wow, that really impressed me." It just hasn't happened. But this hood, at the end of the second set, I thought about this in the moment. It was like when you go on vacation with a significant other, and you fall in love with that person again. It's like you find you know this person inside and out, whether it's your wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, whatever. You know their sentences. You know everything they're going to do. But you go on vacation with them. You get away from your daily grind, and they still surprise you. They show you a side of them or say something that you didn't see coming, and you're delighted. That's how I felt about this Harry Hood. Like, oh, this is the same song I've loved for 30 years, and it still surprises me. But still, Ghost takes it for me. Well, that's, I mean, I, I shit, it's like six in one hand and half a dozen yeah. in the other with those two, you know? And the hood in the beginning, I agree. There's a certain amount of sameness to fish, which is very comfortable, I think, for all of us as fans, which, you know, we talk about that with like a slave, you know what I mean? Or something that's played kind of the same the whole time, um, no matter what show you see. And there's, uh, you know, there's a little bit of comfortability with that. I would say that the hood, the first like three minutes i i've said this since that weekend i think i told you this brian it's like disgustingly amazing what they do in that josh will love that if he re-listens again if you haven't josh because the the bullfrogs and the telephone tones are all over that <laughs> I, love it. Yeah. I mean it's crazy that back half of the show or fourth quarter of the show i thought was phenomenal and i mean a sleeping monkey and then the free encore and people are like, Dan, that's like a 10 minute free. People are dancing on the boardwalk. You know, it just, it was just a, a great night. I looked at a lot of my comments really had to do with the first sets of these shows. Um, I loved the way this show started. Um, the sand they played is not my highlight, but I always have to mention it. And there was a little, little uh, extra special sauce that they added at the end of that sand, which I absolutely loved. I was hoping that sand might be held until Saturday, but as we talked about earlier, they've been playing on sand frequently. And so I really was pleased with that. Uh, my high first set highlight is that Sigma Oasis though. Yeah. I mean, it's the, the first big jam of the weekend. Um, it's a solid, you know, they get into a solid type two. It was real stretched out. It felt very breathable. Um, Trey hits the bullfrog tone about 12, 13 minutes in, which I absolutely love. Um, and then there was this weird, they peaked it out. And then all of a sudden at like 14, 15 minutes, there was this tempo change where they were like almost playing it double time. And the it completely changed the whole feeling of the jam from, and it kind of catches you by surprise.
You're kind of doing that right now because I thought it was. <laughs> what are you going to talk about the whole first set? No, no, I'm only talking about the Sigma. And then they, the, the transition from Sigma into cities was, I mean, it was gorgeous. So that Sigma for me really kind of kicked it off, you know, 20 plus minute jam, beautiful seg, intricate jamming that tempo change that I told you that I mentioned at, you know, about 15. And um, I just, I thought it was a very good version, probably the best one I saw the shows that I was at this fall. I mean, this well, well, I'll follow up by saying AC night one was probably, and I agree with you, Josh, like AC night one for me, was the best show that I saw out of the five. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that I would have to agree at least as far as this, this, I won't go. I, I, I'm not quite to the point where I can rank them all of the shows that I saw this summer, but this Please was definitely. Don't. <laughs> Please we're don't not rank. in. We're not in the rankings. <laughs> but this was my favorite of the three that we saw in Atlantic City. Sorry, yeah. babe. I know that your birthday was Sunday. <laughs> Skinny, what was your favorite part of night one? Uh, my favorite part of night one, I think. I thought it was the hood. Didn't we just do this? I d- well, wait a minute. <laughs> Man, there's a lot of disagreeing between three podcasters. I'm just going to say my favorite, I think, was the end of the disease. I, I The disease was really good, but the end of the disease into the Ruby waves, there was some shit happening there in that last five minutes. And then what I thought was interesting, and I'll, I'll leave it really short, is that after the Ruby waves they bring back the disease, which I don't think I've ever seen them do that before. So that's why like this gets my night one gets just, you know, the rest I'm playing with house money in in Vegas, in Atlantic city, you know, to use a kind of a trite term, but I've never seen them come back into a disease formally like that after having another song sandwiched in there.
And a lot of people are like, eh, about Ruby Waves. Um, you know, I like Ruby Waves, and I thought this was a really strong version of it. And for them to bring it back into that disease kind of meant for me that the band knew exactly what they were doing. And they knew that that disease was off the chain. And it's not even like, where did they play a 30-minute disease? I don't, I'm don't. i not going to make you guys bring that up, but maybe it was that Deer banger. Creek banger, wherever. I thought it was maybe early summer, I guess. But wherever, they played like a really crushing 30-minute disease. But like this crushed from like, you know, five minutes in. And then went into a Ruby Waves, and then they brought back like a reprise. So these are the type of jams that we're talking about that were happening in AC that I I was totally on board for. I didn't give a shit what song they were going to play. You know, after hearing about the leaves in in Jones Beach and things like that, I'm like, they could do whatever. They could, you know, sing Happy Birthday and and jam that for 30 minutes and, and make it go into, you know, type two, type three like areas even which is what was happening i think very quickly with that disease so that was my that was my highlight of night one a lot of teases in that mm-hmm. second set too the midnight rider tease that was in the down with disease oh yeah yeah soul planet had a dog log tease a lot of people brought up that dog log tease yeah um Fishnet says Dave's energy. I'm guide, sure but, there's, I was right about to say, I'm sure there's Dave's energy guide somewhere. Yeah, Rob, if you, if you put a fucking gun to my head and played Dave's energy guide on repeat, I would not be able to identify Dave's energy. And guide. yet, if I check my stats, it's probably my most heard song. <laughs> <laughs> they play it all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought that that was kind of cool that, you know, you're hearing other things within some of these monster jams and, I I do think that it's um, funny that they're including some of that stuff. And, you know, everybody, everybody's, you know, poo poo soul planet because the ocean is love and all that shit. But, you know, throw a dog log tease in there. Everybody's loving soul planet. <laughs> I think soul planet skeptics of which I was one admittedly. Uh, I think, you know, who are you fooling? If by now you still shit on soul planet. Who are you trying to prove it to? I mean, you know, the, the best jam of the night is coming up. If not, you know, one of the best jams of the night. Yeah. So, they fucking you know, love you could scream. You could, yeah, you could scream into the void all you want about how cheesy lyrics are and Salt Planet sucks. But if you're not listening until, you know, after the song proper is over, you're missing out. Yeah. No. Totally agree with that. 100%. Anything so night else two. on night one? Yeah, night yeah. one. Yeah. So night where two, would you where would you rank night one? Are you in the same boat that night one was probably the best of the three? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Just, definitely. Just, just confirming that. Yeah, I rank, <laughs> but I also put an asterisk next to my rank of subject to complete change night to night. So right. don't right. take anything I rank with mood. any sort of weight at all. Seriously. All right. I'm mad. Night one sucked. <laughs> <laughs> On to night two. On to night two. Hi, everybody. Brian here to welcome you to the set break of today's episode of Attendance Bias. First, thank you for listening. And second, just a quick reminder to tell you that even though Attendance Bias comes to you for free, it does take a lot of work and it does take quite a bit of money to keep the lights on here at production. 
So I just wanted to ask a small favor. If you could support the podcast in any number of the following ways, if you could leave a review or a rating of it on whichever podcast app you use, if you could spread the word telling a friend or someone you think may be interested in it about it, or probably the most concrete way is to go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash attendance bias and donate however much you can financially to help with the continuing costs of attendance bias. So thank you again so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the second half of today's episode. Well, I mean, I'll start with night two. I, my favorite, and I'm sorry, I'm just a sucker for this, and I, I talked to Brian about this uh, on Sunday, is the Moon Age Daydream to end the first set. And the reason why I like that is not only because I saw that Halloween set in 2016, which my was my first time in Vegas ever, believe it or not. Um when they pulled that set out and i i love david bowie and this song is so good and they play this so strong and the best part it is for me is my partner josh hates character zero and they didn't end the set with character zero (laughs) and and the moon age daydream it's a rocker that i think that they should probably put interestingly enough heavy rotation comes before the character zero which was a bust out and they should put moon age daydream in a little bit of a heavier rotation but then what'll happen is everybody will get sick of hearing it and they, you know they don't want to hear it anymore so i would love to see that again as like a first set close i just thought it was a perfect first set close I'm For me, it was like seeing, uh, God, I'm just trying to think of a cover that the Grateful Dead would do at the end of a first set, but I won't think of a cover because I can't think of it off the top of my head. But for me, that was like a power close, like, um, oh, shit, I don't know. The music never stopped. It's just a power close. I mean, like the music never stopped, although that goes out there. I'm just, I'm comparing the two only because that used to be in my world a huge power close and moon age daydream was a power close and the crowd around us went ape fucking shit when they played that i guess because a lot of people hadn't heard it before which is awesome when you're around that you're like oh i've heard this before but yeah this is and it's six minutes it doesn't mean anything there's no like jam structure to it it just was played perfectly to to crush the end of that set yeah, I mean, it was yeah, 50, my call. 51 shows. Yeah. 51 show bust out. So, I mean. And I didn't even know. See, again, that's the no expectation things, fellas. I, I just don't. I don't know that. I don't know the last time it was played. I just know I hadn't. Heard I just it. looked it up. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. But so I 
I don't know that shit. And I'm at, in the moment was looking around like, wow, like th- they really made a really strong, whoever called that, whichever one of those fellows said, like, let's do that. You know, that they made the right call that night. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I'll go next here. My set to, excuse me, my night two highlight it's got to be the character zero that they played right before that moonage daydream psych. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I had already mentioned it too. I just was like, why would you even say that? No. <laughs> um, you know what? I have, I have two here. So you're just going to have to fucking bear with me. They're both short. The first one was the Olivia's pool in the first set. That was fun. And yeah, yeah, no doubt. That was a bust out for me. I've never it, seen that before. Well, and especially after the whole shafty, set list right. situation that occurred the week before at Merriweather. And did they play it? Did they tease it? What was what? The band said they did. Fishnet said they didn't. There was a whole bunch of controversy. And that I was this is what I was referring to a little bit earlier when I said, you know, the band kind of has this a little bit defiant, a little bit trollish nature. I mean, they always do, but I feel like it was a little bit more overt this tour and like it doesn't get more obvious than doing this. So I thought that that was really funny and I got a huge kick out of that. But for me in the second set, and it's not a long version of Golgi, but there's a little space. There's maybe it's like maybe type one point. 1.8 like it gets close to type 2 for a fucking Golgi apparatus and I crushed it I agree it, that. that was so much fun Skinny and I are standing there on the beach next to each other they're playing our theme song man so that was and that's a great <laughs> set there's a ton of great music in that set Um, but those two pieces in the first and second set just added a little something extra made those sets funny special in addition to obviously amazing music that second set was a monster I'm going to go back to what Skinny said. My pick is also a Moon Age Daydream. Yes. Everyone around me also 
flipped out, myself included. There was something in the air, something in the moment that just called for it. I don't know if it was the bust out nature of it. I don't think that was it. I just think that I think what it has a lot to do is, and this has been discussed throughout the tour, I think on the helping friendly pod and among fans in general, that Trey, it seems pretty obvious is taking vocal lessons or that he's retraining his voice somehow where he's able to sing in higher registers in places where he wasn't before. And his voice is more powerful and more versatile and a lot of this tour is him kind of picking his spots, trying to find out where does this work? Where doesn't this work? And it doesn't work in a good portion of places. It's yeah. worth it's worth saying. Uh, but that's been fish. They try things out live in front of an audience. That's what the whole wingsuit set was. Yep. Right. You know, they said we want to try out this album before we record it in front of an audience like they're willing to screw up. They're willing to find out what doesn't work in order to know what does. And. A lot of songs, though, have benefited from his newfound confidence in his voice. And Moon Age Daydream is one of them. And with that confidence in his voice comes confidence in his whole presentation, in his whole body language. And more than that, I just fucking love when Fish crushes classic rock. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) totally. It's like listening to like your like. The, the fucking old radio when you had to push the uh, buttons like to have the presets like on yeah. like an Oldsmobile and shit. And like, that's what it was for me, too. So I was feeling that exactly what you're feeling. I think that was kind of coming across to everybody is like, yeah, they're crushing fucking like here in, in, in our town in Baltimore. It's 98 rock or, or 100.7. Like they're they're crushing classic rock FM radio and you know moon age daydream is like classic rock that's the kind of shit that your brother turns you on to like an older brother or an older sister turns you on to you know like you got to check out this man you're listening to the you know pop and shit like put the paul abdul down and check this out <laughs> you what know what year I, mean? it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know i just that guy we heard that today on the radio <laughs> so but like you know it's just you 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 totally felt that. And and the way I agree with you, Brian, the way that he hit those vocal registers for that it, in six minutes, he hit every note perfectly. So if he has a voice, if he has a voice coach, the voice coach should have been standing on stage, like giving him like the, <laughs> the slow, the slow clap. So here's my take on Trey's new vocal stylings. I think sometimes, Brian, as you said, it works and it sounds great. I think sometimes it clearly misses the mark. Um, I think other times the band has no, the rest of the band has no idea that he's about to do it because it seems like he's just kind of like, Hey, like doing it kind of like off the cuff. And it's not, you know, when they're sound checking or, about to come on stage and he's like, oh, I'm going to go high uh, at the end of squirming coil when I'm usually low and the rest of the band is singing low and he's high. Then it's a little, it feels a little awkward. Like, what are you doing? Um, the squirming coil that they played after Petrichor in Alpine Valley, or excuse me, in yeah, in Alpine Valley that they just played last weekend. He goes high on the squirming coil. He got away and he goes like way high up in the register. And it sounds like a little bit weird, a little bit out of place, but it also feels like the rest of the band 
didn't know that that's where he was going to go. And if Page is backing up in a vocal range, right, like he's going to need to adjust his range to uh, accompany Trey's range. And I'm not a singer. I don't know how any of this works, but you would think if they have a harmony and one person changes part of that harmony, there should be another adjustment. Um, so, you know, I think it is that experimental nature, Brian, like you said, they're, they're always pushing the envelope and trying new things. Um, but I, I just hope if that's something that he continues to do, that maybe they communicate it a little bit more so that the rest of the vocals kind of line up. I agree. If it's a surprise to us, it should not be a surprise to the other people on stage. Right. But one more thing I'll say, and the last thing I'll say about Moon Age Daydream, after I saw my first show, the encore was Good Times, Bad Times, and I was so juiced up and excited about this new band, Fish, that I found out about amongst my small bubble group of friends. I wanted to play Good Times, Bad Times for my friend Jared, who was really into Led Zeppelin, really into classic rock, and the minute that the vocals started, he's like, no, nah, I'm not into this. When I listened to Moon Age Daydream today, I thought, oh, my God, I should show this to Jared. I don't have to be ashamed of the vocals in this fish classic rock cover. I don't have to be like, oh, we don't really care about the vocals anymore. But, you know, well, I could really be say, hey, this is a legit cover. Yeah, yeah. Re- report back to me on the uh, <laughs> on on what he says because the Jared situation. Yeah, on the Jared situation, I feel like uh, they nailed that one. Well, I guess we should get on to night three. So, um, I guess I'll go first because I'm just gonna call the fluffhead right away, which I thought out of the three nights, I'm I'm thinking still. Well, this night isn't even as good as the first night. And second night was good, but there were so many highlights and so many jams. I'm like having a hard time keeping it all together. And then they come out and they crush a pretty perfect fluff head for me. I mean, not really deep in jamming, but still they really held that together. And it kind of had the same intensity for me as the other two nights and the same intensity is like for something like a moon age daydream where you're like looking around even the golgi like you're looking around like really you know this is just a golgi or really this is just you know there's no way that this is like everybody is so high on this and and i just felt the fluff ed for me was probably the highlight of that night three The, the rest is great you know everything again house money gravy I don't even know how else to put it, but I really love that Fluffhead. And I thought they really had their shit together on it. You know, Fluffhead is a very intricate, complex composition to play. Um, and they really took a hold of it. We just had a conversation, Josh and I did on a, a, our last episode of season three, where, you know, it's the infamous Mike says no, you know, where like people are asking to play Fluffhead and they're like, nah, man, fuck that. It's just too hard. You know, I think that's where like Jerry Garcia was at with Unbroken Chain. It was just, eh, it's just, it's too fucking hard to play. There's just too many breakdowns and transitions. I can't do it. Again, transitions are difficult, right? So um, I, I really felt that they had just played that so succinctly, so perfectly. And I, the Fluffhead is, is my call. My beautiful wife, Megan, she gets pretty much a birthday show every year. So 
this year. Uh, it was Atlantic City night three. Last year, it was Deer Creek night two. And so they played a Week of Pog Groove, her favorite song, Week of Pog Groove. Her second favorite is Boogie on Reggae Woman. So she got the Week of Pog in the second set. For me, in the first set, the 12-minute tube that came in the two-hole was dope. And I was standing next to Skinny and he was like, he had his arms crossed because he's like, whatever, we're going to get like a four minute tube. And so I'm kind of watching my watch. I'm like, <laughs> oh, we did. Oh, I'm like, <laughs> and actually, I think you owe me a beer because you were like, I if, do. if it goes over 10, I'll buy you a beer after the show. <laughs> and I mean, you're talking about a, you know, 12 plus minute version here. There's a little bit of a uh, P-Funk tease that I catch around the four minute mark that is not noted in any sets, but in my own, but it's pretty distinct that that's my funk, the P-Funk, um, and they kind of hook it for only maybe one or two measures. And then um, they just, but it's a great jam. Trey does a little bit of distortion towards the back end and if there's anything that I love in a first set, it's a fucking jammed out tube, man. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I listened to that today, by the way, and I noticed that it was 12 minutes and I was wondering, is he going to say something about that? And boy, was I right. Well, I'll also say this on the flip side. What has happened to Mercury? Because Mercury used to be, you know, uh, an epic of you know, 14, 15, 17 minutes, I feel like. And I feel like the last few versions that they've played have been super short. This was just seven minutes. Like as soon as they get to like the, the change and then they come to the end, like after that, they usually take it out. And now they've just been finishing it there. People um, have been shitting on that song for a, a little while too. And I've just seen people complaining about Mercury. I have always liked Mercury. I, I liked when they, did it for new year's and then all the streamers came down which obviously the garden was like we're never going to do that again <laughs> um you know and then they lifted off with the santos or whatever when they mike and trey went above the stage i think that was 2019 too right um am i correct about that i i don't know whatever but 
like i don't know what's going on with that song i like that song i don't know that's one that like i do like and now people are gonna be like he likes all the wrong stuff my I first think- the first time i saw it was at dicks in 2016 when they played it on september 2nd and i mean that was only the third or fourth version i think but um yeah it's my, defin- my favorite thing about mercury is i once asked my sister-in-law when it was new i said oh do you like mercury and she's like, I don't know. I don't think I've heard it. And I knew she had because I'd been at shows when they played it with her. And she didn't realize that Mercury was one song. She thought that she just heard like six different songs that are each a minute and a half a piece. <laughs> I thought it was two the first time that they played it. I literally did. When they do that drop to, you know, tempo yeah. change, the whole yeah. thing yeah, right, yeah. changes in the middle. I'm like, wait, is this a new song? And they're like, no, this is still Mercury. But to your but point, they, I think that jam- different songs just get the mojo. They get yeah. it and lose it without any real explanation to us. The fans, the band may have internal discussions about, do you want to jam this out or not? Uh, but, you know, what happened to Bowie? Right, <laughs> when was the last yeah. time you heard of Bowie that excited you? Uh, right. Probably the Truth. 2000 or 2003 or something like that. Uh, and Mercury, maybe just for now, it's taking its break. Maybe it'll come back. Maybe it won't. But it's a good song, I think, as a song, as a composed piece. And I bet if you go see Trey Acoustic at some point, he'll probably play a really fun version of it. That'll be seven minutes, and it'll be just as satisfying as a 20-minute live fish sure. version. Right. Sure. I mean, 100%. You know, it's a great song. I, I don't know. I, I got to stop, because then I'll start complaining about the fact that I don't complain or something. So no, <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. Brian, God, tell Brian, us what's what your favorite <laughs> from uh, Sunday night. It was tough because Sunday night of the three, because I'm ranking now was my least favorite of all three. It actually went in order from best to least favorite of the order they were played. So my favorite was night one, second favorite night two, least favorite was night three. It's just, it just happened to work out that way. So it was a little tough for me to plot my favorite part, but after re-listening to it, I was surprised as anyone else that to pick you enjoy myself hmm. because I was so out of touch with what was going on on this tour while I was away for most of the summer that the whole idea of you enjoy myself getting jammed out completely slipped under my radar. I had no idea that they did this. So usually I'm the type of guy who is ready to beat the traffic during the vocal jam, uh, but I had nowhere to go, obviously. So I stuck around. And then when they started segueing back from the vocal jam into this awesome New Orleans styles, second line drum led jam that lasted for like eight minutes.
Yeah, yeah. Keep doing that. This fish. is yeah. the new. The, yeah, yeah, it's the new. It's the new. The I new, guess. new. It's it, yeah. What's old is new again, right? It's um, a recurring motif that yeah. songs that I thought I knew inside out and were done and played and over with keep coming back and surprising me with fresh ways that excite me. Yeah, and no, you enjoy no. myself is the oldest one. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, and and the most played and yeah. like I had, I think they did that. I don't know where they did it on tour before AC, um, but they did that and I had heard about it. And I'm like, oh, I have to go listen to that. And I was like, oh, they take the vocal jam, which like you, Brian, I cannot stand. Um, and then they brought back the jam. And I was like, oh, OK, well, then do it that way. Yeah, like, I think you know, what's might the be, problem? They played it at uh, Bethel and okay. Blossom, and they also played it at Deer Creek at the beginning of the summer. But um, I think Bethel was where they did the the back into the honestly. Jam I, after. And Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they did it at all three of those versions: Bethel, Bethel, Blossom, and Atlantic hmm. City. They did, you know, basically they you know jammed out vocal jam which was a little bit shorter and then went back into a musical segment you know it was like a second jam i'd have to go back and double check that but i know it was at least one of those trend at the uh the new year's show at the ninth the ninth cube Hmm. in lilith's they did that oh man see so that might have been a turning point man i gotta check my short-term memory because it's all fucked up i mean (laughs) You know what I mean? But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I like that too. And I always like that too, because it's just a really good time, especially again, just speaking back to like the moon age and, and other things that were happening that weekend, like around you when you're hanging out on the beach and the way that people react to it. You know, I think that's for me, it's like the no expectations, but also it was like, how are people reacting about different songs around you? And I saw that all weekend, the Sigma, the wave of hope, the Yam, the moon age, the Golgi, like there were certain ways that people in the crowd were reacting to those songs that were a little bit different than I had ever seen. So, you know, the whole weekend was just, man, it was great. And it was great too, by the way, before the Sunday show, I thought, the best part of Sunday was Brian came down and hung out with my wife and I uh, on the beach. And that was really cool. A lot of good conversations about stuff. So good that times. was fun. I, I, I got uh, I got I to hang out with Brian on Sunday, too. At the <laughs> this is enough anchor, for me to go around, guys. <laughs> anchor Rock Club. I just want to make sure, you know, I we hung out, Brian, when they did the uh, live HF pod. Uh, which with, was fun. Which was great. Tom Marshall told the story of how they came up with character zero which i thought was a very special (laughs) moment for us can't get away from it uh to wrap it all up can i ask you guys did either of you see anything extra weird or extra gross or at the end of my lightning round on my podcast i always ask what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen at a fish show did anything you saw this past weekend qualify as a possible answer because i saw maybe one of the grossest things i've ever seen in life well, you're going to have to go because we kind of stayed, I guess, pretty angelic. I did not see anything other than the usual rabble rousers and dust bunnies on the boardwalk. I has I saw nothing. <laughs> I, I, I guess I'm like uh, 
Sergeant Salt Schultz from Hogan's Heroes. Like, <laughs> I see nothing. Yeah. I didn't, or either I had that or just put blinders onto it. So my answer to that is no, other than the secondhand smoke in the Tropicana, like casino. Oh my God. <laughs> so no, I didn't. I didn't really see anything that weird, uh, believe it or not. So yeah, after night one, I, either. I was walking back to the trap along the boardwalk and I saw obviously nitrous being sold all over the place. Sure. I saw one seller picking up used balloons off the boardwalk and refilling them and selling them to new buyers. And I thought that was maybe the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. I've seen that outside the garden a few times. That's gross. The the Atlantic City Boardwalk, I think, is less sanitary than this the street of New York City. (laughs) I totally agree with you. And also, this just goes to show you people like you better be like, you know, I don't know, a a half dozen vaxxed before you go out and do balloons. using balloons get out of here they cost like a dollar at like party city for 50 <laughs> right <Yeah>. for 50 <laughs> you know what i mean crazy that's just crazy well so you guys in for next year uh, of course yeah. if they do it we're definitely in i think you know it looks like you know they like it there and it, it's so many people can go and it's it's such a northeasty thing i think you know we're, we'll we'll definitely be we'll go yeah i think actually i do have one wasn't really like the weirdest thing i saw but it was actually kind of cool on night two we were walking down the boardwalk because we were i guess up the boardwalk because we were going to go in the back entrance of the venue and we looked at i don't know maybe like exit four and there was a woman who was standing there and she was like Oh, you have tickets? Yeah, come on in. So we had like a couple of beers each. We were able to go in right there. We didn't have to walk, you know, all the way down and then back up or go under the pier and then, you know, go south and then come back north. Um, and then we did that again Sunday night too, which was super sweet. And it was clutch. That, that was, was Missouri Avenue, right? Yes, I believe yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, now we know. Yeah. Very clutch. Yeah. So yeah. Next year, guys, Missouri <laughs> Avenue. Next year in Israel. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm so glad to do this again, guys. This is the best. I'm looking yes, forward definitely. to hopefully if they do the New Year's run, you know, more recaps, more and more recaps, collaborations. Thanks for doing it. Yeah, man. We love you, Brian. You know that. I, I mean, that story's already been told, but, you know, we're always down. And, and thank you so much for always having us on. We appreciate it. I know I do. Yeah, dude. It's always great to hang out and Atlantic City, man. You know what? Like I said, it is literally, we haven't had a festival since 2015. Well, we've had like these two Atlantic City pseudo festivals and they've been great. The music's been great. The friends that we've made, the experiences that we've had, everything has been just top notch through these six shows that we've seen in Atlantic city and sign me up, man. I hope they keep doing it. You know, the only thing is I will say dancing on the beach for three days takes its toll on the lower half of the Mm -hmm. body, dude. My, I ain't getting any younger. I didn't know I had muscles in my butt. (laughs) Turns out 
turns out I'll let my body uh, let me know that I do, and they're not in shape. Uh, it looks good, though, Bob. Oh, thank You're you. good. <laughs> you saw me on the beach, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Right, thanks, well, thanks guys. again, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, right on. Thanks, Brian. We Cheers. appreciate you, man. Thanks. So that's it for this recap of Fish's run at Atlantic City in 2022 with myself, Brian Weinstein, and Skinny and JW from the Stub Me Down podcast. Hope it wasn't a little too loose for you, but sometimes that's the way the recap has got to go. But no fact check today, no anything else, just a usual reminder and a thank you for listening. And you could support attendance bias by following me on social media and also if you could donate financially it would be greatly appreciated at www.buymeacoffee.com slash attendance bias otherwise thank you so much for listening to this recap and we'll see you next week for a normal episode